With what's so often behind the redefining of the basic foundations of life, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. If you get rid of Adam and Eve, then you can define marriage however you want. And if you don't need God anymore, then you can define life and the requirements of life and be accountable to no one. And in response to a question on the relationship between a husband and a wife, man and woman, Jesus established the basis for marriage of the first couple, whom he said were created by God. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You There's a lot of redefining going on these days. We're seeing the implications of it play out right in front of us. So how are we to respond? We won't go wrong believing what Jesus believed about the Bible. And that's our theme for today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. As we continue our study of Hebrews, we again focus on what Jesus believed about the Bible. Here's Pastor Ed. In John chapter 10, verse 35, it says, Jesus says this little phrase, and the scripture cannot be broken. So he says, to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. He believed in the infallibility of the Bible. Number eight, Jesus believed in the Bible's supremacy. What we would say today is that Jesus believed that the Bible is the final court of appeal. It is God's final word to us that will dictate to us and answer every dilemma in our lives, that we yield to the Bible, that no tradition trumps the Bible, that no religion, no pastor, no priest, no mom, no dad, no grandma, no grandpa, no one's opinions and teachings are more important than what the Bible teaches. And that's a very important thing to grasp because I know some of you were raised in a religious system where tradition was higher than the Bible. And that traditions continue to change. And instead of appealing to the Bible, you'll find a teaching appealing to what somebody said. That was happening in the first century. In the first century, men were following rabbis and rabbinic teachings. And they were following man. And when the rabbis contradicted one another, nobody appealed to the Bible. They appealed to, to the rabbis. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15. He answered and said, this is verse 3, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, this is what God wants, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, and that was the, one of the key elements of the ministry of Jesus. He would say many times, You have heard it said, but I say to you, it would be the equivalent, I know they taught you that, but it's wrong. And here's the truth. Well, where do you find the truth? Not in a church, not even necessarily from the pastor's lips. You find the truth in the scriptures. It's not the latest thing you saw on YouTube. It's not the latest article you got forward. It's not the latest book or some newfangled thing that's happening in the world today. The final authority is the Bible. And God will make it clear and what they had done is they had 
dishonored their parents by creating a new tradition. And Jesus rebuked them for it. Why? Because he believed the Bible said what it said and meant what it meant. And it's supreme on all our life. It is the supreme authority on our life and spiritual actions. Number nine, Jesus believed in the Bible's inerrancy. Inerrancy, which kind of goes together with infallibility. Jesus replied and said, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God, Matthew 22. So much of our spiritual error is directly related to you don't know the scriptures. Which is why as a church, as we celebrate 20 years coming up here, that we reaffirm our commitment. My commitment to you as a pastor is to teach you the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, all the way through, good and bad, easy passages, hard passages. Why? Because you need to know the word so that you won't be in error. And if you come to us with a question that hasn't been taught recently, or that's one of the neat things. If somebody has a Bible question or has an issue, we go, well, you know, we already taught on that. The studies are up on the app. Go listen to the study. We've already taught that section of the Bible. We've already answered that question. But let's just say you come to a question we haven't taught. You come to me. You come to one of the pastors, one of the ladies, one of the leaders, whoever you come to in this church. What they need to do is they need to take the Bible and they need to open it up and give you the answer from the Bible. What you don't need is a bunch of opinions and, well, this is how I was raised and how my mom did it. This is why my, the priest told me to do it. This is what Pastor Ed said to do. No, no, it's not any of those. What does the Bible say? And how do I live it out in my life? That was the big error. You guys don't know, he said. You're in error because you don't know the scriptures. And that's our commitment for you to know the Bible. For you to know the Bible more than you know current culture more than you know the latest movies, more than you know your sports statistics, more than you know even your profession, that you would know God through his word. And Jesus taught and lived that. Number 10, Jesus believed the Bible taught the gospel message, that the gospel was found in the scriptures. And this, you Bible students would know this as the red cord of salvation or redemption. And the idea of that statement is simply that Jesus is on every page in every scripture. Like you can find Jesus either in the Old Testament prophesied or in the New Testament confirmed. That the whole Bible is about him and his redemptive work. Messiah, the Savior. We learn this in Luke chapter 24 verse 27. You remember Jesus was on the road after the resurrection with these guys on the road to Emmaus. And it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, that beginning at Moses, which is simply a reference, beginning at Genesis 1-1, and all the way through the prophets to the end of Malachi, so your entire book, beginning in Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to these young men all the scriptures concerning himself. What a Bible study that must have been. Like right in Genesis 1-1, you, know, you can say, well, guys, here, let's Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. And Jesus said, I was there. And he just kind of goes through all the way through. Whether all, remember, we spent all that time looking at the tabernacle and how all the pieces of the tabernacle pointed to the coming Messiah. It was all in preparation. And when Jesus speaks of the Old Testament, he says, look, you can teach the gospel right out of the Old Testament. You can share with someone all through Isaiah, through Genesis, through Exodus, 
you know, just, just with Moses facing Pharaoh and telling him he needs to put blood on the doorstep was a picture and a type of Jesus Christ and the covering that would come by faith in him. Number 11, Jesus believed in the divine authority, listen, of the New Testament to come. Yes, while he was living and teaching, the New Testament didn't exist, but he prepped and prepared his disciples for the divine authority of the New Testament canon. Not only did he confirm the Old Testament, but he said the same for the New Testament that's to come. How did he do that? Well, remember he told his apostles that the Holy Spirit would come and lead them into all truth, that he would teach them all things, John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, that they would be guided into all truth. And by the time we get Jude's writing, it's that we have the faith once for all delivered to the saints. So with that in mind, I want to end our time today looking at a few things that Christians are mocked and ridiculed for almost every day of every week. With all that's going on in the world today, the most persecution that really happens is Christians and Christianity being mocked, being ridiculed, being criticized, being belittled, being demeaned. You're out sharing the love of God with someone and their response is, you're not that dumb, are you? You believe in that stuff? You believe in the mythology? You believe, you believe in things that were made up? And you, know, you believe in things that men wrote? Then how could you possibly believe in those things? And if you're not careful, you get hit with that constantly, you might start to doubt yourself. You might even be in a place of doubting today. And the idea of that humanness of doubting isn't necessarily a bad thing because a lot of good can come out of your questioning if you allow the Bible to answer your questions. If you continue going by faith, trusting God, even though you have some concerns and some questions, even if you walked in and such great pain is in your heart right now and you've got the biggest doubt that there is and the biggest doubt is why God? If you're so good and you're so faithful and you're so kind and just and, and on and on that list goes, then why did you let this happen? And why are you doing this? And why? And that's the biggest doubt. But I know that when you ask that question and you ask it toward God, his answer will be this. Well, just come and let's reason together. Let me reveal myself to you. Let me remind you of my goodness. Let me remind you that everyone goes through difficulty. So doubting in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. God can use it in your life to build your faith. But you've got to go to the right place for the answers and be honest with yourself that you are willing to submit to the truths when they contradict your beliefs. That's probably the biggest barrier to growing in faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We get that. But the biggest barrier of faith growing in your life is you being resistant to the truths of God's word because your belief, you're holding a higher view of your belief, your opinions, your feelings than simply choosing to submit to the truth of God revealed in his word. So I want to spend our remaining time today looking at things that, true things in the Bible that Jesus Christ himself believed. As we get through them, we'll look and say, these are, the, these are the things that people in this culture are just like, bam, I can't believe you believe. How dumb can you be? And maybe even being so rude to say, you're an idiot. Only idiots believe that kind of stuff. 
And instead of being personally offended by that, you're just like, man, do you you know that I not only believe in this, but Jesus believed. So do you think Jesus was an idiot? Now that's a strong thing to say. Of all the people, all the skeptics and critics I met over the years, only a few of them would be willing to go that far. Only a few of them would scoff and mock Jesus Christ that much. Most of the time, speaking to them about their feelings towards you and associating them toward Jesus, who you follow, causes a person to pause and consider what they're saying and what they believe. So let's go through a list of things that Jesus believed that we as believers, followers of Christ, believe ourselves. Number one, Jesus believed in a literal Jonah, Nineveh, Queen of Sheba, and Solomon. And we see that all in Matthew chapter 12. Because, you know, you talk about Jonah and a great fish, and somebody will go, you don't believe that. That's impossible. That's scientifically impossible. That, that is not natural. That doesn't happen. And your answer to that, of course, it could be impossible in a lot of ways. But God supernaturally had this event occur. Jonah was a real man. Most people don't argue with Nineveh. There's evidence today, archaeologically, that Nineveh exists. That that's not a problem. Queen of Sheba is pretty well accepted today. Of course, Solomon's accepted today in many cases. But Jonah and a great fish? Jesus believed it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Which makes sense. You've got to get rid of Jonah. Because if you get rid of Jonah, you can get rid of the resurrection of Christ. Because the resurrection of Christ was prophesied as connected to a historical event. Jesus believed it, so do I. Number two, this next one makes sense too. You get rid of Adam and Eve and a literal six-day creation, you can get rid of God. God's not needed. Jesus believed in Adam and Eve. He believed in the Garden of Eden. He believed in a literal six-day creation by God himself, Matthew chapter 19, verse four. Most Bible critics believe that the first humans evolved from lower forms of life in the humanistic, especially in the last couple of generations, this humanistic anti-God view of evolution, evolutionary theory as it changes and adapts. The evolutionary theory is subject to evolution because it's changing all the time and you can't really pin them down. But the whole purpose is to undermine, undermine the creation account, the true origins, like he says in Hebrews 11. We understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. And that's what's the basis and foundation of our faith. But do you know Jesus affirms Adam and Eve actually not on a question or a topic of creation. He actually affirms the creation of Adam and Eve by a literal one true God in a question about marriage. And marriage was being questioned in the issues around marriage so that if you get rid of Adam and Eve, then you can define marriage however you want. And if you get rid of Adam and Eve, then you don't need God anymore. And if you don't need God anymore, then you can define life and the requirements of life and be accountable to no one and do everything yourself. And in response to a question on the relationship between a husband and a wife, man and woman, Jesus established the basis for marriage of the first couple whom he said were created by God. In Matthew 19, 4, it says, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There's so much definition in those two sentences by Jesus. 
that answer a lot of the chaos and confusion that has captured our culture in these last few days. Jesus believed in a literal Adam and Eve. Thirdly, Jesus believed in a literal Cain and Abel. The first person we are going to learn about, besides ourselves, in the hall of faith is Abel. Jesus believed that Abel and Cain were real. Matthew 23, verse 34. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of you will kill and crucify. Some of them you'll scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah. Fourthly, Jesus, Jesus believed in Daniel, a literal Daniel. That's important to some of the Christian critics, the higher scholars that say Daniel is not a legitimate book. Many scholars today say that Daniel was not even a prophet. He was just a historian and he wrote the book of Daniel after the fact, after all the prophecies, after the rise and fall of all the various kingdoms that are written of instead of beforehand. Because you know how stunning it is as he gives us an overview through the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and, and other teachings of all of the rise and fall of kingdoms from the kingdom of Babylon to the kingdom all the way at the end of the book of Revelation in the great tribulation period to the revived Roman Empire Daniel speaks of. If you dismiss Daniel, then you undermine most of the prophetic explanations in the scriptures. Jesus believed in a literal Daniel who was a prophet, according to Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, Jesus said. And after that, Jesus went on to give a detailed prediction about the destruction of Jerusalem that wouldn't take place for 40 more years. Daniel is a legitimate prophet that wrote on behalf of God. Number five, Jesus believed in a literal prophet Elijah. Luke chapter four, verse 25. He said, I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, which was miraculous, the famine that came on, that God predicted that Elijah said on behalf of God. And there was a great famine throughout all the land, verse 26, Luke 4. But to none of them was Elijah sent but to the widow in Zarephath. He believed in a literal Elijah. Number six, this is another one, probably more popular. Jesus believed in a literal Noah, in a literal ark, and a literal worldwide flood that was sent by God himself as judgment upon the earth. And how many of you met people who go, oh, you don't believe that was a big ark, a big boat, a worldwide flood. You don't believe Noah was real. Yes, I do. It's such an important truth that many other truths in the scriptures hang on. Jesus put it this way in Luke 17, verse 27. He refers back to that time of Noah and he says, They ate, they drank, they married wives, were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. He mentions four things there. Noah, the ark, worldwide flood, and the judgment of God. Jesus believed it, and so do I. Number seven, Jesus believed in a literal Sodom and Gomorrah and a man by the name of Lot. Which really, when you see this, that means he believed in all of the scriptures that surround this. But yeah, he believed in a literal Sodom and Gomorrah. Luke chapter 17, verse 28. Likewise, 
as it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Number eight, Jesus believed in Moses and that Moses was spoken to through a burning bush. He says it flat out. Oh, you can, okay, maybe I'll take Moses. But do you really believe that a bush spoke to him? Jesus did. Luke chapter 20, verse 37. Even when Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised, when he called the Lord, and listen, he called the Lord the God of Abraham. Jesus believed in Abraham. The God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, Because Jesus said he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. So check that out. If you get rid of of Jonah, you get rid of the resurrection. But if you get rid of Moses, you get rid of Why? Because in the volume of the book, it's written of Jesus. It's all intertwined. And Jesus, when he taught, he taught with the authority of scriptures that he believed were profitable to change your life, to teach you what's right, to teach you what's wrong, to teach you how to get right, and to teach you how to stay right in life. We learned that, 2 Timothy 3.16, remember? All scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Number nine, Jesus believed that all of the Old Testament was true, and he referred to it all in that same passage we read in Luke 24, verse 27, where he, at the beginning of Moses, Genesis, to the end of Malachi, He expounded to those men on the road to Emmaus the things. He believed that all of the scripture were profitable and he used them all to teach these guys on the road to Emmaus. And not only that, Jesus on five different occasions, on five different occasions said and taught that he was the central theme of the Old Testament, that he was what it was all about. He did that in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. We read already that the scriptures I came to fulfill Luke chapter 24, 27, all of the scriptures he taught. We've read that before. Luke 24, 44, he says, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. He said in John 5, 39, You search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. And we've already studied in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. And then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. So church, can we trust our Bibles? We can. There's overwhelming evidence of the Bible's truthfulness. And yet above all that, Jesus Christ himself believed, taught, submitted himself to, and fulfilled the Holy Scriptures. And it's the Spirit of Christ that's in us now that helps us to understand what the Bible means and what it means for our lives. You can believe the Bible because Jesus did. And you'll never go wrong following him.
You've been listening to Abounding Grace and part of a study in Hebrews. Abounding Grace is easy to hear again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Just search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Depression. If you've not experienced it yourself, I'm sure you know of someone who has. And yes, even Christians struggle with depression. We want to share an excellent book on the subject called Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness, written by Edward T. Welch. We'll gladly send you a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can now order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Please also remember it is your financial support that helps us do what we do here at Abounding Grace on this station and many others like it. You can make a secure donation online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Have you been blessed by this ministry? If so, we want to hear about it. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.